0: Welcome to episode 215 of Speaking of Mysteries. I'm Nancy Clare, and today Ashley Weaver is on the podcast to talk about A Peculiar Combination, the debut novel in what is hopefully going to be a new series. So thank you for taking time to join us on the podcast, Ashley.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Uh, I have to admit, uh, A Peculiar Combination hits a lot of sweet spots for me, as a reader, it's a historical mystery set in World War II London. A woman is the protagonist and it has the word peculiar in the title. So that's <laughs> a hat trick for me.
1: I'm just gonna say, I really, I, I had a lot of fun with this. It's a lot of things that I really enjoyed put into one book too, so.
0: Well, that's important. I think it's very important that the writer <laughs> like doing what they're doing. And, and one of my questions down the line is going to be about series and writing series. So you know, sort of hold that thought of, of okay. li- liking your characters. But let's talk about your, your character that you introduce in A Peculiar Combination, uh, Ellie MacDonald. So it's 1940, it's early in the war in London. Uh, the United States isn't even in the war yet. And like many women, uh, she's taken a job while the men and her family are engaged in the war effort. One cousin is missing after Dunkirk. Uh, one cousin is an RAF mechanic. So she's working with her uncle Mick, but with a bit of a twist because Ellie is a part of a family of professional thieves. So can you talk about her and how she how she got there?
1: Sure. Well- The idea for the book actually came about, I was reading a book called Agent Zigzag by Ben McIntyre, which is a nonfiction book about a gentleman who was a kind of a a petty thief and sometimes safe breaker. And he's involved in several different criminal enterprises, but he was imprisoned on the Channel Islands when the Germans occupied them. And they told him that they would let him out of prison if he would spy on on the British, on his country for them. And so he agreed and they took him off, trained him to be a spy. And then they dropped him in England by parachute, and he went right to the authorities and said, "The Germans have me spying on you. Do you want me to spy on them?" So he became a double agent for the British. So I was reading this book and I really liked the idea of someone who was kind of on the wrong side of the law before the war started, realizing that they maybe had this unique opportunity or unique skill set that they could employ during the war to help their country. And so that's kind of where I got the idea. I liked the idea of making uh, this character a woman. And she's from a family and they're kind of living on the wrong side of the law, but they're pe- good people at heart and they have noble motives. And so that's kind of how the idea for Ellie was born.
0: Well, and it also it, it also brings to mind that during World War II, women took a lot of jobs uh, right. while men were off fighting. And so that's why I thought this was such a sort of a delicious twist on that. She might not otherwise...
1: Have done right this. she's helped she helps her uncle with her with his locksmithing business which is the legitimate side of things but she also has been raised she's raised uh, by her widowed uncle and with her two coos, male cousins and so she's kind of grown up in a man's world and so she's uh kind of ideally prepared for stepping up into these roles and now that the war has come
0: well you know you you touched on uh, one of your the inspirations for the book and and you know this this got me to thinking that. Um, Churchill, Winston Churchill knew early on that Britain was going to have to fight an asymmetrical war. And individuals uh, with Ellie and Mixed particular skill sets, which are lock picking, safe cracking, as well as knowing sort of a circle of acquaintances that work on the other side of the law, uh, would be very, very handy in uh, clandestine services. And there were certainly more than MI5. And MI6, there was the SOE and others that we probably still don't know about. Right. So that seems to me like a, a nice way to uh, a nice way to get a series going. So talk a little bit about how Ellie comes to meet the people with whom she's going to work.
1: Well, in the book, uh, it starts out Ellie and her uncle are embarking upon another job at night. They're going. They're uh, waiting to break into a house that they think has been left empty uh, when people have left in preparation for the blitz that's coming. And she's kind of got a feeling that something's a little off, but she just tries to ignore it and they break into the house. Everything seems to be going fine and then they leave and they are arrested, which they think it's the police, but then they come to find out that it's actually members of military intelligence who uh, kind of set them up and are wanting to pull them into this particular operation. Because there is a a particular set of documents that they want to get that are in a safe and they want those documents handed over to them before they can reach the Nazis.
0: I thought it was interesting that Ellie uh, is standing there and and something is amiss. And, And it got me to thinking about women's intuition which I don't think there's anything particularly spooky. Uh, about it I think that it's it is a survival mechanism Mm -hmm. and one that women had to hone maybe so is Ellie going to remain someone who has very very good instincts
1: she is overall she uh, someone with good instincts and kind of uh, a good perception of what's going on around her she's very aware of her surroundings it's kind of the way she's been brought up to be especially in this sort of illicit side of the business. So she is someone who pays attention to where she's at, what's going on, and takes notice of the little things that maybe even aren't, uh, you know, we am um, trying to say? They're not, to her conscious mind, they're not making themselves known, but there's something about them that's letting her know that something's off.
0: So she's very much in touch with her lizard brain.
1: Yes. <laughs> so
0: you you are a, a librarian in your, in your day job and is, is and this is your second series uh your first series also set in great britain uh about a decade yeah. before this one is being a librarian sort of op- something that opened the door to the past and to uh, thinking about and setting adventures in the past or is that just the way your imagination would have run no matter what you did?
1: I think that I was always particularly interested in kind of the historical fiction, even growing up. I liked to read as, you know, as a kid, I read books about ancient Egypt and about just, just different eras that I found fascinating, things I found fascinating about the past. But I think it has worked very well with being a librarian. There's something about the two that sort of intertwine very well for me.
0: And you touched on this uh, earlier when you were talking about uh, Ellie and her family. Um, being a criminal and being a patriot is not necessarily mutually exclusive. And it, it got me to thinking about something I had a book I had read about Lucky Luciano, who mm-hmm. helped the Allied war, the United States, Allied, from the United States side, the Allied war effort in Sicily. Um, and, you know, I admit there was something in it for him. He was going to get a right. early release, uh, even even from his arch enemy, uh, Governor Dewey of New York. But historians who've researched the subject have concluded that he was sincere. And I think and it also made me think of this one really quick scene in The Sopranos years ago, not long after 9-11, where uh, one of the characters approaches one of the FBI agents and says, you know, we." We weren't down with what happened. And if we hear anything, we'll let you know. And it, it just, to me, it fleshes out the idea of what is so easy to dismiss as a criminal. Right. And, and that's something that, that Ellie is, is fleshed out. And, and could you talk about some, like some of the things she likes to do uh, and, and way she was educated i found that very interesting as well
1: sure she uh she was uh she was orphaned and raised by her uh uncle and his wife until the uncle's wife passed away when ellie was young but uh she's been raised in a very warm and loving household i kind of wanted to go that that route with it as opposed to a lot of times you know it's got the criminal with the i mean ellie has her her, the own shadows in her past which kind of comes to light in the book but she has been raised in a very warm and loving household. She has good relationship with her family. She she was sent to um, finishing school and things like that. Her uncle's tried to give her the best upbringing that he can, to kind of give her the opportunity to decide what kind of life she wants for herself. Whether she wants to follow in the family trade, you know, both sides of the family trade the the locksmithing and or the safe breaking, and also if she wants to kind of choose another life for herself. So she's she's had options and she's had people who support her and support her decisions. And so that kind of has given her a sense of confidence in who she is and the decisions that she makes knowing that she has people who who will back her up. And her
0: counterpart on the military intelligence side is is also uh, interesting because from, even though the book is in first person, we see Ellie from his perspective and she is surprising to him.
1: Yes, kind of goes back to what you're talking about before is because he's sort of a very prim and proper person and he has kind of his perception of what criminals are and how they behave. And so when he meets these, this woman and her family, these people in their group who don't just fit into a mold of these are common criminals who have nothing to offer, but they're individuals with you know their own morals and their own sense of justice and, and they want to do their part. And so that kind of forces him to shift his perspective a little bit.
0: I would say that they are most uncommon criminals.
1: Yes. <laughs> you are seven books
0: into your Amory Ames series, which as I mentioned before, takes place in the 30s. And now you, you've started another series. And so I'm reminded of something Les Klinger, who's my partner in this endeavor, uh, the podcast endeavor, said sort of when it comes to series, you know, publishers really like them. Uh, They like telling writers, you know, write the same book, only different. (laughs) So, you know, you're well into one series. Uh, What made you want to start another series?
1: Well, I kind of had this idea for this uh, book. And I do every year. It's a program called National Novel Writing Month. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's a national program. And the goal is you set a uh, goal to write a 50,000 word novel in the month of November. Oh, yeah. And so I've done it for, I think the past 10 or 11 years, I've, I've participated in this. And so I actually wrote a peculiar combination one year for that. I think, I think it might've been 2017. And so as I was writing it, I was thinking there's a lot of opportunities for, you know, fun criminal characters and different kind of sort of escapades that a criminal group in conjunction with military intelligence could get into. So I, I just kind of thought it sort of lent itself well to the idea of a series.
0: And will you continue with both series?
1: I'm hoping to. Um, I'm going to do a couple books in this series, and then we may end up circling back around to Amory eventually.
0: And which brings me to uh, you know, now that this book is about to be launched, uh, I think it'll be really, really popular because there's there's something that really appeals to a lot of readers, and 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 maybe women especially, but. I, you know, I don't see it necessarily as a chick lit book, uh, at all. Um, so I'm wondering what, what, what do you have planned for Ellie in the next book that you can tell us about?
1: Well, I just actually turned the second book in. And so, um, I don't know how much I can give away, but of course, uh, you know, she finds herself working again with Major Ramsey in sort of another Situation where her skill set is called for, and so she gets she gets to be involved in another another chance to save the country, so to speak.
0: And you you know you work full time. You've written uh, that I know of seven novels and a, uh, a short stories. You've been nominated for an Edgar. Um, how do you discipline yourself, and where do you find the time to write?
1: I'm pretty much a night owl, so I write a lot in the evenings. Um, I get home from work about usually four o'clock in the afternoon or so, and so I have a little bit of time to, you know, uh, get some downtime, watch some TV, rest if I need to, and then usually after dinner I'll settle in and do some writing. So that's kind of kind of my pattern is uh, just write in the evenings, and I'll set goals for myself a thousand words a, a night for a month or things like that to get sort of good chunks done, so that so that I have something to work with.
0: And when you, uh, you know, another question I ask writers is uh, how active are you on social media? Do you find it something that you engage with uh, a lot, a little, not at all? Uh, especially ask younger writers this question.
1: I am on social media. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And I'm, uh, I wouldn't say I'm really active, but I'm pretty active. Usually if someone, you know tweets me or makes a comment I I'm I'm re- respond and things like that I'm not a really frequent poster but I am I do kind of monitor what's going on and and make posts occasionally
0: and of course this will be your it's a debut novel but it's also your second book launched in in this very unusual time to launch a book yes and are you are you finding the idea of launching a series because you know as people who listen to the podcast know you turned this book in probably before the pandemic hit or just as it was hitting. Yes.
1: Uh, I turned it in May. uh, No, I'm sorry. Early April of last year. So just kind of um, when we had been sent home from work, I was finishing up. So that was an interesting time to finish a book for sure.
0: And this must be an interesting because ordinarily I would think that you would be going to a few, um, uh, book festivals and uh to readings and signings Mm -hmm. at bookstores and that's you know we may or may not have a boucher con which will be close to where you live Uh, but for the most part uh they are you know any book festivals have been virtual and book signings have been virtual so are have you been engaging in that or
1: i have i actually have several um I've done a couple things and I have several uh virtual bookstore appearances coming up and actually a couple of bookstores I've have sent me books to sign and then I've mailed them back to the bookstore so they will actually have signed copies so that's nice that they'll be able to to have those there but uh I think I should have pretty soon up on all my social media a list of the places that I'm going to be doing virtual book talks
0: and we'll be sure to forward those as part of the tweet campaign for the podcast as well so uh are you going to be in panels with? Uh, because you're you're in you're in great company uh, with this sort of subject and time frame. I mean, you've got you know James Ben, yes, sure. a... uh, Susan McNeil, and Jacqueline Winspear. I mean, you're you're in some pretty you know cool company.
1: Yes, a lot of excellent writers, and it is it is a really popular time period, and so I think that's very fun though, and I think maybe it's something that resonates with people, you know, maybe it's the kind of struggle of the pandemic and the idea of pulling together and doing what needs to be done. So that kind of World War II, those same aspects of it can resonate with readers today.
0: And I think there's a there, I, I once had this discussion um, with a writer who, who wrote about World War II. Um, there's also, it seems like a moral clarity, which is very comforting.
1: Yes, definitely. You know, it's a, there's not as many instances in history where it's so you know clear who the good guys and the bad guys are it's really like you said there's a lot of moral clarity in the in the situation and so of course except for like with my thieves who (laughs) sometimes they're good and sometimes they're bad but (laughs) it throws a little extra something into the mix but that's something that I found interesting too is even dealing with Ellie's own feelings about how she feels about this life that she's leading and and balancing the way she lived before, putting it up against, you know, what she's doing now, and finding how she feels about herself now that she's doing something for a just cause rather than just for herself.
0: Well, I mean, it's not that they were doing it. Um, I, I, you know, I saw this as as kind of pragmatic, um, right? This is, you know, it's not to glamorize uh, people who steal, but you know, they're. They are people that steal, and mm-hmm. they're yes. <laughs> not—they're not violent criminals. And uh, right, you know, it's that's why I find you know there there is an ambiguity there that I think is really attractive and really Thank sort you. of engaging. So, uh, kudos for for sort of finding that and nurturing that.
1: Thank you very much. Yeah, it's been—it's especially writing from first person. It was fun to kind of explore that sort of conundrum. And
0: you, uh, I haven't read all of uh, the a- 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 Amory Ames uh, series, but my recollection is those are not in the first person. Was it a difficult transition? Oh, they are? Okay.
1: They are in the first person. And so that was interesting too, because they're uh, two very different women. Amory is a upper class, wealthy sort of society lady. And so writing the Ellie books I had a couple of friends and my sister that were reading it and I said if she ever starts to sound too much like Amory let me know because I don't want you know especially in the first person I didn't want to risk the characters sounding too much alike but I find that in my head when I'm thinking about one or the other they they're they lend themselves easily to writing in their own distinct personalities so that worked out pretty well
0: so you know writers have very interesting uh, relationships with their characters so do your characters get along as they live in your head?
1: I think so. I, uh, I haven't had too much of where I've been thinking about one series while working on the other or anything like that. So it would be interesting, you know, like you mentioned, the series are only about 10 years apart and they're both set in London. So I have thought occasionally, wouldn't it be sort of interesting if my characters were to ever encounter each other and what would they think of each other? So that's sort of just a fun little thought.
0: It is, it is interesting when universes collide. Yes, for sure. I, I think there's there's always something to be said. Certainly, a lot of uh, a lot of writers have done that. Um, Michael Connelly springs to mind. You know, he, he started various series, and his characters from other series often show up uh, to either police or lawyer or, or right. The news. <laughs> um, Cara Black and James Ben did. Uh, a very interesting thing where Carl lent James, uh, Amy LaDuke's grandfather to put in uh, one of his books. And it was, you know, for those- I love that. Who read a lot of this, you know, I thought that, you know, I, I love, I love an Easter egg. And I think- a lot Yes,
1: of, for sure, me too. <laughs> a lot of readers
0: love an Easter egg. So, um, you know, it's, I guess it's, that's what, one of the reasons, it's one of the things I thought of, and one of the reasons I asked you if the characters get along, because if they don't, oh my goodness.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes it's a lot <laughs> no but i think you know it's interesting as far as in my head of course the yeah the characters get along pretty well but it i i i think that amory and ellie would get along okay but i i i'm not sure how well my uh, amory's husband milo and the major would get along they're very different sort of people so that would be i think an interesting thing to happen well they're both they're kind of cranky
0: so yes <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, congratulations on launching a new series. Congratulations on writing it, uh, thinking of these characters and uh, getting a book out during pandemic, because even as someone as disciplined as you sound, uh, this has been a challenging year. And writing a book is a very challenging thing. And you've just written another one. Um, So congratulations on that. Thank you so much launching a new series, and I look forward to more, Allie.
1: I really do. Thank you.
0: Um, And thank you
1: for joining us. Thank you for having me. It was great to be here.